0: Hi, you're listening to Andrew Farris on NXS Access All Areas with Hayden and B. Check it out. Well,
1: Welcome to Inexcess Access All Areas. My name is B, and I will be co-hosting this series of podcasts with my Inexcess nerd Hayden Murdoch. We will be delving deep with you all to explore everything there is to know about this iconic band of brothers in excess, sharing music, tours, videos, albums, and oh so much more.
2: Well, hello! Welcome to In Access, Access All Areas, Episode Fifty Two—the podcast designed to dive deep into the legacy of this awesome band. Have some fun with the community and enjoy all things about getting this band into the Rock Hall of Fame. B, how are you?
1: I'm okay, thank you, Hayden. How is your In Access week?
2: Well, very kind of you to ask that. You know, <laughs> it's the second time in fifty-two weeks, and I feel chuffed to be even <laughs> asked that to begin with. And I'd say it's been pretty, pretty good because. Um, Oh, look, you know, we we really hate navel-gazing on this podcast, but, gee, the last episode was pretty popular, wasn't it?
1: It was, wasn't it? I was quite chuffed with that. Actually, yeah. it went off the roof. <laughs>
2: well, I think we had more downloads in the first day and a half uh, than prior episodes. You know, over a course of a seven-day period. You know, in comparison. So, um, I think, like anything, it just proves the band, uh, and maybe some of these sort of um, hidden periods of time, and uh, you know, those periods where we weren't all really around, um, do strike a, a bit of a chord with uh, our listener base.
1: But such lovely people as well. I mean, P- Peter is so, uh, such a genuine man. You could feel it. I mean, if you could see it's his energy, he, he's in the room anyway. It's all this orange yes. and red and, and stuff. So, um, yeah, thank you, Peter, for coming on the show. And he said he'd like to speak to you, Hayden, a little bit in depth about the records at some point, if you ever want to do that.
2: Would love to. I mean, just, mm. you know, through sheer conflict of times and and mm. him, uh, when I wasn't, um, you know, wouldn't very much... Um, would have loved to be been on the Asking Direct Questions. Um, great job by you, as always, uh, uh, to uh, nut out all the specifics. But, yeah, very, very happy to, to follow up with Peter because it sounds like amidst his Grateful Dead fandom, he still has a soft spot for the band.
1: He does. He does. You think he might go back into it a little bit.
2: Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the it's funny when we sort of, well, I listened back as a bit of a fan uh, uh, of that podcast that, that you sort of put that topic on. Um, the Grateful Dead fans are called Deadheads. Did you know oh, that?
3: No, I didn't know. Yeah,
2: so um, even that was quite curious there. They're called Deadheads and he was really um, quite accurate in the sense that their live stuff, they, they were one of the first bands to ever sort of play live concerts and then sell that concert almost within oh. the same period of recording it. So they would play all these different versions and different things and then sort of uh, sell that, you know, via, I think, CD or tape, whatever there, to fans either in the aftermath of the concert or the next week or whatever. Mm. Um, They really were a live entity that would change everything around and then sell each concert individually as it went along. And that's really what funded their existence. Yeah so last week obviously it was great to uh, I guess you know dive deep a little bit on all those issues there but um, I guess with the recordings one thing we just wanted to reiterate you know is that we've had a lot of feedback from patrons very excited about getting access to some of these files of those two particular live recordings. Uh, It will sound better I think be once people have those files going into uh, their computers I think you were replaying uh, files on an audio and then putting it through the sort of the, the tape mechanism for people to hear. So I think they'll they'll sound a bit better when you file share them, won't they be?
1: Well, I honoured Peter by not messing about with them because he said these were pure yeah. and that's just how he wanted them. But yeah. since he heard them, he says... He loves what we did, and he says he's given me complete com- permission to have a little play with the audio, and so yeah. I will get them to sound a lot better. I'm I'm in that process at the moment, so. But I, yeah. you when know,
2: I I put my headphones on when listening to them directly, it's they sounded definitely a little bit sharper than probably mm. the way we replayed them through sort of the the um, podcast. But um, um, but yeah, I guess it's exciting with the with the patrons out there. This is the, sort of the access that we really want to privilege. Uh, you guys who are loyal to us by giving you access to all of this type of stuff so uh, if you aren't a a patron yet um, you know this is only just a continuation of access to some really unique content that as I said for a price of a cup of coffee per month you know you you get access to I mean you know think about this some fresh in excess songs that really have never been played before you will be able to hear Um, and you know coming from Michael from 40 years ago it's pretty cool when you think about that.
1: I know. And not only that, we've been given some um, original photographs from around that era as well. Yep. So I'll be popping those into the patron only page. And Mary Woods is also given us the um, the CDs that they made. She's given me the artwork as well. And they're gorgeous. So yeah, that is quite nice for everyone to see.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, back to you, how's your Inaccess week been? I know we're always busy behind the scenes in production and uh, dealing with uh, minutes with Kerry-Ann and dealing with the gang. And uh, we've got a few sort of our inner working team. We've been a bit ill the last week or two that uh, are on the mend, haven't we? So uh, shout-out to all of those. We won't mention their names, but uh, we love you and hope you're all feeling a bit better soon. And um, uh, But how's your overall In Excess week been? Uh, how, can be? you,
1: how can you read my sheet from there?
2: that's exactly
1: what i was just about to say i I was going to say i want to give a big shout out to the whole team they've been a marvelous they've been very supportive and we are going to rock this so like you keep saying the last 50 have just been us just playing now we're in the big game now we we're gonna (laughs) we're gonna write this for you guys so yeah if you want to know more we do stress go to the website because that's where all the fun stuff is we're not just on facebook anymore we've taken the leap into um the website
2: website our website
1: our website yeah which is in excess access all areas.com
2: okay brilliant All right, well, speaking of patrons earlier, it's a bit of a a weekly occurrence where we welcome those who allow us to put this together. So over to you, B. I'd
0: like to say hello to everybody outside on the highway. Let's all say hello to everybody outside. It's about 10,000 people at least. Hello. Hello.
1: Well, hello to Nick Eager, Mark Opitz, Sue D, Joe Robbins, Paul Boozy, Pedro, Lisa Urban, Foxy, Felicia, Sarah Markram, Laurie, Carmen, Matt Dean, Mandy, Linda, Danielle, Dr. Jim, Amanda, Leon, David, Sarah Cameo, Anne Marie, Lisa Calloway, Lisa McIntosh, Katie, Kerry Ann, Fern, Caroline, Paul Jolie, Sandrine, Tracy, Tony. Warren, Soupy Supi, Manda V, Ella, Ryder, and Erica, and a load to our newest patron, Abigail from Chicago. <laughs>
2: All right. And this week's sort of episode reveal, B, I know it's been a bit of a cryptic one, one which we have, uh, well, I have held back on you because it is risk week when it comes to in excess access to all areas. We don't lay low here, we don't put out safe material. We are going to do a deep dive into an in excess topic today that uh, will be interesting for some. It will scare some. It will be uh, uh, a celebration for some. But uh, uh, we are going to talk about a song. Okay, and this particular mm-hmm. song we're going to talk about goes for just over five minutes, but we're going to somehow try and talk for forty minutes about a five-minute <laughs> song. <laughs> so, so it is in some respects a little bit of a leap of uh, listenership and patience or whatever there. But we do hope that you can ride the roller coaster of how we tackle a certain track. Uh, And how much we love it, but also just how much we get out of it. So um, we will wait till the topic to reveal the song in question. uh... I
1: can't wait.
2: (laughs) Okay. All right. Um, But it's that time of the week, B, where it is time for the news.
1: Hi, it's Dave from England, and you're listening to In Access, Access All Areas with Hayden and B. And now it's time for the
0: news.
2: Now, in terms of charts, B, we didn't get a, a chart update last week, but uh, I know when we were in Sydney and uh, you said to me, oh, hey, it's bad news, it's gone out to 48. And I go, no, it's not, it's a 31. And and then, God forbid, you know, when I dug deep and went through the sort of couple of weeks in a row, it, it did go from 31 to 48. But, B, I did send you a very, very exciting I oh, know. No. It made me squeal. So I thought it was 31. You thought it was 48. And we both were right, but they were over two weeks. But uh, Yeah. We- Can say in the last sort of 48 hours it has had a massive rebound and it's gone up 22 places to number 26.
1: 22 places!
2: Oh my god, that's
1: excellent, isn't it? So, the very best, yeah, the very best. How is this happening?
2: Oh, look, the 50th episode, it had to be that. <laughs> it had to be. You know, the, 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 all that massive publication of us pumping out there to have, you know, your third dog's litters who only had two copies and their litter only had one copy and, and then then their cousin's friend's dog had two copies. So we've just been able to tap into a new audience
1: oh actually just while I'm thinking about it there's a girl called Ali law she did a video and she said something about she's got five copies so like if she can have five copies then everybody else should have five copies
2: yeah, right? <laughs> yeah absolutely you know there's uh, no there's no excuse other than to not have that but uh, uh, we do have another little bit of a challenge on us, and this is quite common after an album's been out for 10 or 12 weeks or whatever there it can sometimes sort of you know drift a little bit out of the top 40 and we can some uh, well we can say with uh, uh, a a little bit of research, uh, Andrew's country uh, solo album has unfortunately just uh, meandered out of the top 40 in the last week. So it's been high as number three and it's been solid in the top 10. But it has sort of drifted out of the charts and there's other albums have come in. But uh, this can be a momentary sort of, uh, I guess, uh, chart deduction. And uh, I can mention that in excess is greatest hits or various very best of. Uh, moved out of the charts within its first four weeks when it was first released nine That's years true. ago. So, yeah. so uh, you, know, you know, well, they say form is temporary, class is permanent. So uh, we will be on a bit of a quest to uh, tap into the NXS fans who haven't got Andrew's album here in Australia and also overseas uh, and do yourself a favour and buy it. Yeah,
1: uh, I, yeah it's a yeah. really good album. Really please go out and buy it. I, I hope he releases a new song, a single soon then.
2: Well, that often will help too, you know, yeah. in terms of traction, because singles are generally advertorials for the old. You are but, my um... rock.
1: You are my rock.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's the one you want?
1: Yeah, I love it. Oh, right. love, it. Okay. love it. I reckon it'll go straight to number one
2: if there you release it. Have a nudge, doubt. Have um, a nudge there. okay we want to see horses we want to see the outback we want to see uh uh, rm williams boots we want to see drys jackets we want to see uh you know dust skies and kangaroos jumping around uh or coyotes if it's in america and get another single video out there Marlena. so uh hey hayden
1: uh, if you looked on the chart and the country charts in america for him
2: uh, look, I haven't, but I'm um, look, I'm not sure about the sort of the distribution over there. Look, I'd, um it might be sort of something that we have to do a bit of research on. But yeah,
1: that'd be uh, interesting. Sometimes to they know. release
2: al- Yeah, mm-hmm. sometimes they release albums in time frames. But uh I think with COVID and he hasn't been over there and maybe something may not have had a release there yet. If it has, it may have been done digitally or whatever. But um yeah. I'm sure Andrew would love Just to. Just because
1: yeah. of those videos, they're <clears> really superb the videos that he's done. So if they get getting out there, it's that's called you know, country channel, I'm sure there is, yeah. um, he should be um, riding high.
2: <laughs> well, he's definitely uh, on the media circuit B. We know with media wars, uh, Andrew is not shy uh, of getting out there. And, uh, you know, Kirk is still in lockdown, I believe, uh, in, in his response to uh, how to combat the Andrew media war assault. But, uh, Andrew, this particular week has been on uh, Gold Coast um, 107.3 FM, uh, and it was a 13-minute interview. So for mainstream radio, that's not a uh, well—that's probably you know a fraction longer than what the average sort of uh, interview is. So it's about a 13-minute interview with the uh, the gang from um, 107.3 FM Gold Coast uh, here in Australia. So uh, do yourself a favor. There's always, as I said, little nuggets and informations that Andrew will reveal. Um, and uh, again, I don't give those away. But um, uh, again, more info there than Andrew shares about Inxs and his country sort of little bits of news. In live music, uh, the Don't Change Boys uh, have a big gig coming up on July the 29th in Newtown, uh, which uh, is, uh, I guess, advertises dinner and sort of acoustic show. But I think Newtown in Sydney. Yeah, I think they use the word acoustic, but generally that's just a, a pseudonym to get in there and get access to play the gig and you know, <laughs> rip the amps out and the Marshall amps out and, and get it going. So uh, I'm sure they're not just going to do acoustic. But um, uh, July 29 now, I know... Great friend of the program uh, who goes to every uh, Don't Change gig who was at our dinner the other week and was in Sydney. Can you reveal her name? Karen Peters. Yes. Yeah. She is uh, She's mold mannered She's gorgeous. Um, it doesn't medical. <laughs> Mild-mannered medical receptionist by day, but absolute rock and rager by night is Karen. She is a rager.
1: In a little black swift with in excess written on it and she's just darting around the country and getting on planes just to see Don't Change,
2: yeah. And I I reckon if uh, she was able to sort of uh, put a block on uh, young um, uh, David from Don't Change and not let him leave the room, Karen would be just the lady who would love to do that. (laughs) Yeah, I think Dave's got a lifetime fan there. David. Yeah. Oh,
1: did
2: you, you mean Blair? <laughs> sorry, did I say David or Blair?
1: No, you said David. Oh, shit, like, sorry. Who is Blair.
2: David? Blair. Yeah, I don't mean yeah. David from Blair. It doesn't look sorry, like Blair. a David. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Um but uh yes. Uh also two, uh, there is another uh touring act called uh, Live Baby Live, um or the NXS tribute band. Uh, they're playing on June 25th in Belmont, New South Wales. Now, there's a few Belmonts. There's a Belmont in England, there's a Belmont here in Victoria, and there's a Belmont in New South Wales. But this particular one, Live Baby Live, or Live Baby Live, the Tribute in Excess Act, are playing June 25th in Belmont, uh, which is not that far away. It's sort of five weeks away. So, uh, again, we'd like to encourage those who are, you know, wanting to listen to vital live in excess music, get out, do yourself a favour. They will be playing in a place or venue near you. So, um, that's something else to mention too. Uh, and the last thing I was just going to mention in the news, uh, before actually a special mention in the news, which we're going to go to, uh, is there's an Aussie band called Ratcat. Now, you might not know this band, B, but uh, on the X Factor Tour in 1991, this was the hot Australian band at the time. And they were part of Chris Murphy's Ruart label. Uh, and Ratcat sort of came from nowhere in early 91 to be probably the biggest young emerging band on the Australian live scene. Uh, so much so their first two songs and EPs went number one uh, and they got the coveted X Factor support gig. So uh, they celebrate literally 30 years, I think, anniversary, sort of uh, almost now. They've they broken in about in sort of May 91 and they're on the X Factor tour, which was in May 91. So it all happened oh, really quick for them.
3: Yeah. Um,
2: and uh, they they played sort of like a sort of fuzz pop uh, type sort of sound and they were sort of pre-Grunge Cursor, but they're probably um, – a little bit more melodic and, uh than say grunge was yeah but uh they they had a really sort of uh, massive 12 18 months two years and sort of drifted a little bit but um the lead singer is a guy called simon day and um he uh yeah really penned some great songs with them and uh, uh again chris sort of helped forge their way especially with in help as well getting on that tour so, kudos to Ratcat and uh, any listeners out there who are on that X Factor 2 will probably see them then and may have seen them sort of standalone at different times. But uh, our last bit of news is for a special friend of the program. Now, he's had a very auspicious uh, week, B. Um, uh, you know, we could talk about this massive particular achievement for him uh, that he has finally made it. Okay. Uh, forget all the other awards. He's actually finally made it to a patron, special patron <laughs> <of the> podcast. <laughs>
1: Stop it, you
2: silly wogger. Oh yes, okay. Oh, there was the other. There was the other. Nom- uh, the government sort of nomination was not there as well. Okay, we'll go to that first. Yes. <laughs> All right. Okay, but uh, friend of the program. I think he's actually qualified for almost. Well, let's just call him a patron now. I think. The fact that he's actually achieved this uh, Order of Australia makes him also a patron of the In uh, Excess Access All Areas family. Uh, automatic sort of gateway in when you pick up one of these. But uh, Mark Opitz yesterday and and lovely sort of post by his daughter, Madeline, on Facebook, uh, received uh, the Order of Australia for services to Australian music and the arts. And uh, uh, a lovely post uh, by his daughter, very, very proud Um uh, I know there were some fantastic photos. Mark looked uh, very, very handsome and very resplendent in his suit there, uh, yes. and I think went into With sort the of, uh, government dog. house. <laughs> yes, went into went into government house there. Uh, and set the rock star dog, et cetera. Um, and I think he was, uh, I guess, presented with that by probably one of the governors or somebody uh, there uh, representing uh, the official sort of uh, award. But yeah, what 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 a, a great sort of acknowledgement, you know, for for services to to the industry. And in Australia, we are a, a Commonwealth country. Uh, we don't knight people anymore in this country. It's probably the one uh, sort of royalty uh, legacy we don't actually do anymore. But um, these Order of Australia's are probably almost like a, uh, a substitute uh, for those knighthoods. Um, and I had no doubt that if we did knighthoods, etc., there are people like Mark and even Andrew Farris and people like that would have probably received their knighthoods. But uh, yeah, kudos to 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 Mark. Great acknowledgement well for his career. Well deserved.
1: And, Absolutely yeah. well deserved. Yes. What Absolutely. a hero.
2: Yeah. Imagine, imagine, imagine when he he's he's running around the studio going yeah, Sophisto punk, Sophisto punk," <laughs> and now and now he's wearing now he's a suit and he's down at head office there and uh, he's down at the parliament there getting a a, a medal there. Uh, he probably at 29 goes, "I'm selling out if I'm doing that," and now it's like he's embracing no, it. But
1: embracing. He uh,
2: absolutely, absolutely. But uh, fantastic achievement and great photos at uh, uh, government house there in Brisbane. So well Congratulations, done. Congratulations,
1: Mark. Mark.
2: Yeah, and it, and part of our audience get your messages of, of gratitude out. You know, I think uh, all of us uh, uh, love Mark, and he would love to hear from you, I'm sure. So uh, please uh, acknowledge. But we think that given this uh, particularly uh, particular. Um, uh, nomination and award that he's just received from Government House in Brisbane, he also now qualifies for a special patron <laughs> of the show, uh, along with only one other person, Nick Egan, which is timely because we're going to have them both on together soon. But uh, we, we definitely have to give him special patron status now of the show,
1: So honorary so- patron. It, that that's great. I'm glad he made it. Yes. onto your list. <laughs> I, look, I
2: know he he's covered this more than the uh, the uh, Order of Australia, but uh, uh, we think it's timely to do a double nod to uh, to Mark as well.
1: Oh, he's a legend. But yeah. um, will, we, will we be given honorary patronage to the band when they appear?
2: Well, they've got a bit of work to do, B. I think so. I think they've got
1: a a lot of work to do. I mean, these thank yous are one thing. I mean, John, where was he? Do you know what I mean? Where was he? (laughs) A little bit disappointed, really.
2: (laughs) The the man man might have to do sort of triple episodes and dive deep and um, play to our audience or whatever, reform whatever. Mm. We may consider that uh, nomination process. Mm. Mm. But uh, but that's news of the week, B.
3: Okay.
1: Hi, this is Ella from Middelburg, the Netherlands. You're listening to In Access, Access All Areas with Hayden and B. And now it's time for the topic of the week.
0: Hey! Original sin? You got the sin?
2: All right, well, topic of the week time, B I uh, uh, I feel like there's a bit of pressure on this because I've talked this thing up, but I've also sort of talked it down a little bit, haven't I?
1: No, I think it, I can't no. wait to hear about it. No, I loved your little blurb that you sent right. me, so I'm intrigued to know the story.
2: Well, we have held back on being too detailed, but uh, we can sort of share with listeners. We are going to, uh, for the very first time, take an iconic inaccess track And we're going to play the song in its entirety, but we're going to sort of pause and uh, reflect on parts of the song and talk about what it makes us feel and connect with and why we really love it. So, um, yeah, we are probably going to spend 30, 40 minutes talking about a 5-minute 19 song. So we do hope that people uh, like and enjoy it um, uh, because there are probably 10, 12 iconic songs in their catalogue that we would love to do something like this um, again and potentially, you know, have – uh, a patron come on uh, and pick one of their songs and have them break it down oh. and uh, sort of do what we're doing. But that could be a really interesting exercise as well, be um, yeah. through our Zoom chats or whatever. Yeah, um, but uh, there'll
1: be a few people putting their hands up to want to yeah, do that.
2: Mm. Yeah, but the song I've chosen today is Original Sin. And um, I guess in the blurb that if you've seen uh, or read it so far, uh, listeners and viewers, um, I guess it's a song that really sort of connected with me. Uh, in terms of a band, you know, making a real musical leap, and uh, as a 10-, 12-year-old, 13-year-old, you know, I knew of In Excess, so I, I knew of, um, you know, Stay Young and The One Thing and Don't Change and Black and White and Shabu Shabar and uh, Just Keep Walking, and a few of those songs and things. Uh, but this particular sort of musical leap from the end of Shabu Shabar to this particular track um, was like, wow, like, who is this? You know, where is this coming from? This is completely different. Um the funkiness behind this and the musical sort of, I guess, leap they'd taken from Shabu uh was 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 uh, really, really fantastic. And um, as I said in the little blurb, you know, I was in the car and driving to actually a Little River Band concert, which was the first ever band I saw live back in uh, towards Christmas of 83. And this song came on the radio. And um, talk about, you know, curiosity, connection, connection, um, uh, you know, passion, enthusiasm for a track on the first listen. It was unlike anything really you know, I'd heard before. And uh, I guess over time, the song itself has uh, developed an iconic sort of status in the in excess uh, repertoire. And in, in fact, I don't think they ever really played a concert since its release where they didn't play it live. Oh, oh. Um, it, had, it had a really interesting sort of journey in terms of the charts. It's, it's still the only track – that In Excess um, actually uh, released in Australia that went number one. So oh. you think of all the other hits they've had afterwards, yeah, like Need You Tonight and Never Tear Us Apart and all these other song, songs and things. This is their only number one single in Australia that, uh, that they've released. You know, I think Good Times with Jimmy Barnes might have gone number one or two, but you know, again, it's not a pure In Excess track uh, and it is a, a duet. But this, as a standalone NXS song, is their sole number one. Also, too, it was their first international number one in terms I think, going number one in France. And uh, I think there's a, a cool scene in uh, the miniseries where Michael uh, opens up the drapes. Uh, Might have had his little tush showing from behind, ladies. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you, know, it, you know, it was... Hello, ladies. It was recognition of it also. I think they had a backdrop of of Harry of and things. But um, yeah. um, it got, you know, them on that road to international sort of European success. And, look, I think, you know, as we'll talk about later, you know, the lyrics were probably a bit too controversial for America at the time. But, uh, you know, the chart position there I think was 58. But, um, again, chart positions don't, you know, always um, – you know, uh, you know, symbolized the quality of a track. And I think this is an example of a, a great song that, you know, American chart-wise didn't quite reflect it, but I still think it's a song in America that, uh, you know, resonates strongly. I know Rob Thomas, when he covered, uh, covered it on the original Sin sort of um, – I know it's Redux album that John put together with the band Uh, you know really loved this song um, and chose it to want to sort of cover but yeah we're gonna we're gonna get into it B and play it and just just really reflect on you know parts of it that you know really you know are musical genius but also just a rip-roaring tune that uh, still sort of connects uh, some 38 years later. Bizarre I think it's 38 years old this song. So, B, uh, when did you sort of first connect with this song? When's your sort of first real memory of it? Was it when you saw them live or was it after that or?
1: Yeah, it was actually. It was when I saw them live. I can't, and don't ask me what what, what point they uh, came in in the set. But, yeah, I just, I find it a very unusual song. I still find it a yeah. very unusual song. There's nothing out, out there that sounds like it. It's a really good song for us to start with. There's so many parts that I want to talk about with you as well. So,
2: yeah. Well, yeah, there's a lot going on here and I think hopefully over this oh. next sort of, few, uh, you know, few minutes and things we'll, we'll be able to just break it down and just um, really sort of give the listeners uh, an amateur sort of, uh, you know, view and review of this particular song. But we're all fanboy, fangirl moment, B. We're going to really uh, yes. take, take off our serious hats and we're going to be fanboy and fangirl and just reflect on the iconicness of this song.
1: I, I do want to stress that. I am not musical. I am a fan, no. and this is just coming from a passionate um, love of yep. the song. Okay. Yep. All right. You just tell me when to stop, Hayden.
2: Shall do. I think the word pause will come <laughs> in about every 20, 30 seconds. So, uh,
1: <laughs>
2: listeners, we want to just sort of, you know, piece it up and sort of talk about the 30-second the little sort of gaps and things that uh, or slots that uh, we're going to sort of play first. Okay. Take it away.
0: Might know how to be with fire, but did you know I've been murdered committed in the name of
1: love? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs>
2: to
1: you. Right. What an entrance! <laughs> I felt like
2: I was doing stop in the name of love. There, the old supreme <laughs> things with my stop. hand up. <laughs> All right. Okay, well look what can we say you know what a what a thumping sort of you know four4 four sort of drum beat there and um, a real sort of musical intro there so it doesn't sort of hit any lyric till about sort of 30 40 seconds in mm. but um uh, boy when the when the Michael uh, lyric comes in it's really strong isn't it
1: Yeah it's very strong it's very strong so i I'd like to start if that's all right
2: go for it ladies away
1: Oh, thank you. I like how the drum beat stumbles in actually, because it like it, it's like it's not really getting into a beat. It stumbles over itself, so it's always catching your attention straight away. Did you ever think that it's like? Well, uh, what,
2: yeah, it's, I is think this,
1: it, I, is this starting or not? I don't know. <laughs>
2: well, I think jo- I mean John's greatness as a, as a as a drummer is that he plays around with his time signatures. Um, mm. You know, so it's not just a basic four four drum beat. You know, one, two, three, four, one, two, three. He plays around with these sort of time signatures a little bit there and uh, keeps you sort of on your toes a little bit, but it really comes through strong through the speakers. You know, Noel Rogers produces this, and you know, you can really hear the drums right up close and personal to you, just like you can hear sort of Michael's vocal when it comes in as well, where it really sort of talks right into your ears, you know, in terms of um, that that introductory Mm. sort of lyric there. Mm. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and, and, the, and what then, you also and notice got... too is when he's – God Sorry, <laughs> what, what you do notice when he's starting to sing, sing, you can um, you can actually hear uh, the, the the funky sort of guitar riff thing that's going on. So you'll hear that, mm. din, 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 you know, like you just hear that sort of guitar disco funk riff that. um yeah. When you think ding, back ding, to ding. it, you know, that's that 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 that's got a sort of a disco guitar thing that was very mm. Noel Rogers um, back in his chic days and things like that. So mm. um, it's got his production fingerprints right all over that, which um mm. is which is great.
1: Mm. Mm. Very good. And then you've got Gary humming along very low with with um the bass with the drum. That bass line is yeah. like already started. Yeah. I like it. alright Let's yeah. I'm trying to be Absolutely. I'm trying to be technical here, but I'm like trying to listen
2: to it properly. <laughs> All right, press play. The, give was, us more. <laughs> I always
1: thought the keyboard though hasn't really um, through the album, um, it's quite dated, that tinky tinky sound where I noticed when they're in Wembley it's more of a piano. Um,
2: are you talking about this song or another song?
1: No, this song.
2: Yeah. All right, well, we'll get to that. We'll, we'll listen and oh. we'll consider those thoughts.
1: Okay. All right, so, and continuing. You thought about a bit of
0: Dream on white boy, white boy. Dream on black girl, black girl. Then wake up to a brand new day. To find the tears that washed away.
2: Bye all right now now uh for those who are in the know we may have spoken about this before uh you hear the uh chorus there which really is the dream on white boy black girl etc there that sort of plays around with the genders and the um uh uh, the uh black and white etc there but um the the vocal backup there is daryl hall from hall and oates uh, who happened to be in the studio at the same time and uh, Niall Rogers had worked on the Hall and Oates uh, record, I think, a year before, well, maybe a few months before. And you know, Daryl Hall's got one of the great soul voices in sort of world music. But I think it really complements Michael's sort of baritone. I like, Michael has a baritone type vocal, uh, mm-hmm. and Daryl, you know, I don't know whether he's a soprano or whatever, but he's got a bit more of a higher pitch um, and range, sort of a top of, a higher range at the upper end of his voice. Yeah. So it really complements in that. Um, that vocal chorus part really, really well.
1: Yeah, unmistakable as well, isn't it, when you really focus on it? You're like, wow, that is Daryl. Yeah. It's nice. But, really but at the
2: time with no internet and not a lot of uh, credits and discussion and things, a lot of people didn't know that. Um,
1: didn't realise. You know, mm. think,
2: think back to 1983, Hall & Oates were the biggest duo in the world. Um, so to mm. get them on an emerging band from Australia was a great coup and just that other example of INXS being the right place at the right time with the right people. Mm. All right, keep going.
1: Okay.
3: There was
0: a time when I did not care. And there was a time when the
2: facts did stay
0: is
2: it. All right. Now, B. Yes. that little section there and in the video there when Timmy's moving his head around and playing the guitar and his head's going left and right, I reckon Timmy Tuesday fans worldwide would probably <laughs> love that bit. Is that fair to say, Fangirl? We
1: do. We do. We
2: do. <laughs> I reckon that was the dawn of the In Excess hook when you're like, there was it done when it could not care. You know, like it is hook central. Like um and then it's like that. Uh, then you hear the 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 sort of the the hi hat, you know, um, you know, hit by John. And then it then it it goes into that uh, saxophone bit with Kirk. Like that's hook central. There's hooks everywhere there and it still sounds great, fresh and catchy. I think that's like um, I still a I haven't tri- really heard the keyboards much.
1: Yeah, it still huh? feels like it still feels like um like um a tribal beat, boom, boom, boom. You know, as if like it's a. a yeah. That's how I, I found found well, that it sounded quite like.
2: Well, it does, and especially towards later in the sort of the song, which we won't jump into too much, but it has a sort of real salsery sort of South Ooh, American later. feel to it. You know, um, but yeah. um, there's lots going on in that little part. Let's give us more. <laughs>
1: You know, I even like oh, this is me being silly, but it was oh, the guitars sound like they're like um, helicopters landing or something like that, that's like choppery feel to it. It's like
2: yeah, humming yeah. around,
1: yeah. Do you get that?
2: Yeah, there's some really unique sounds there, absolutely.
1: A good, unique sound that's why it's so interesting. You keeps really popping, and like you say, it's really in your face. All right, continuing. Dream, and it's held
0: by. I'm you had to see its arms.
2: Stop. Okay, listeners, that's pure Gary there. You can hear the bass. Oh, um, yeah. And you can really just hear, like, the bass getting uh, its sort of showpiece there uh, yeah. in the sounds there. So some of the lead rhythm, rhythm guitar is turned down, but... That's where the bass part really is turned up. You know, there's nothing really quite like the sound of a really good melodic bass part. Um,
1: Great, isn't
2: it? The bass. Yeah, in our Gary (laughs) Gary episode, we we went through Strange Desire with some fantastic bass stuff with that, and yeah, I reckon that part of that song in original Sin is tool to force Gary there. So uh, (laughs) I wanted just to highlight that bit. But uh, press play, give us more B. All right. All right, so the lyric there, dream one, uh, white boy, black girl, etc. cetera, there, um, and wake up to a brand new day. Just for, for some of the listeners there, originally I think the lyric was going to be white boy, white girl, etc. there, but I know um, Niall Rogers being um, of African-American there, he said he should maybe bring in the, you know, maybe the juxtaposition of black and white, etc., there, black boy, white girl, et cetera, there. Uh, and it also resonated with Michael because the song, a lot of it was – Based upon seeing, you know, black kids and white kids all playing around in the neighborhood one day when they're on a tour bus, and yeah. just thinking, oh, you know, these kids one day are going to wake up and, you know, to a brand new day, and, and racial harmony will not be there like it is when they're younger. And um, mm-hmm. the song was going to be actually called "Brand New Day." Uh, they, yeah. they they called the song "Original Sin," but it was going to be called "Brand New Day." But um, I, I really think that racial sort of juxtaposition is a really interesting sort of lyric there. That um, again. Inexcess don't always get acknowledged for some of their political or social commentary lyrics, but in many cases throughout their career, they've had something to say. And I think this song uh, reflects that, that they had, you know, Michael particularly had something to say. Um, And and I think it was encouraged by Niall as well. So uh, I just wanted to sort of highlight that.
1: I would say it was um, definitely highlighted by Niall. That's probably another reason why took on this song in the first place. Did, who, who contacted who? Do you know?
2: Well, um, that might be a story for another day because uh. it's hard to answer that in less than five minutes. Uh, <laughs> but I will answer that in uh, a future episode. Okay, but we want right. to be fanboys and girls. Say, turn it on.
1: <laughs> <laughs> do as you're told.
2: You now you talked about the keyboard sounding a little bit dated, or whatever. I don't think it does. Um, I think maybe on "Send a Message" off the same album it does. But what the keyboard sounds to me like um, is very much in the spirit of the album. Like I used to look at the Swing album as almost like the Japanese album. There were so many Japanese um, overtones in terms of the that album um, and 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 sort of Asian influences. Uh, original Sin film clip was made in Hong Kong. You know, you had the Send a Message film clip, I think, it was start up in the uh, the hills of Japan at one of the Buddhist temples. Um, Johnson's Aeroplane has a Japanese lyric and, and um, a lot of orchestral Japanese-type tones to it. But uh, the keyboards on this, I think they sort of really highlight a bit of a Japanese feel and vibe and sonics to it. So we just heard that there. And, again, as we've seen or heard so far, you know, we've had, you know, John at the start. We've had Gary get his little spot. We've had Andrew just there with his... Uh, keyboard parts. It's a real band song. Like everybody gets their moment to shine. So, um, mm-hmm. but everyone has their moments. Yeah, um,
1: yeah you're you're right yeah. there. It was actually um, the video was um, filmed by a, a Japanese guy, wasn't he? He did um, that one, and he did um, send a message. Is it Yasumoto yeah, yeah. or something like that? I think his name that is. That sounds
2: Japanese to me.
1: As long as it wasn't Moto. <laughs>
2: That's his brother. Yeah. <laughs> all right, no, you
1: ready? A right, yeah. bit more? All right. You want a bit yep.
0: more? More, give me more. Know how the original sin You might know how to play with
2: Stop. Great vocal escalation. This is like musical
1: chess.
2: (laughs) It is. Great vocal escalation by Michael there, where he's like, you thought what a pity. You know, it's where he takes, you know, a, a lyric or a word from a prior part of the song. And then just puts his own little flavour on it, you know, and it, and it sort of like brings it down a notch like, you know, what a pity, and then it, the music sort of comes down there. But, um, again, you know, Michael's instrument was his voice and just the tone and the the inflections and uh, the phrasing and stuff like that. And, again, he's just all over this particular one. You know, he's taking risks. Yeah, he's, I he's, would uh, say that He's too. modulating it.
1: Yeah, modulating yeah, it—that's yeah, what I was going. I was going to say that word. Definitely, It's in my vocabulary. Sure,
3: sure you <laughs> yeah, right.
1: <laughs> no, but he does. Is there's aggression in there? He's whispering. He's spitting it out. He's like you say. He's like it goes low. It's anger. He's uh, bringing it all out, well, isn't it? You know,
2: I think I think I think there's conviction in his delivery, mm, uh, mm. and sometimes with certain songs in michael's career there's there's degrees of conviction things like that i know you know dr jim loves just a man and there's such conviction in that lyric and that delivery and it's coming from somewhere sort of you know um real and and raw um know, this one's pretty primal and and um uh you know you know uh, uh you know when he talks about the murder committed you know he's saying it with real menace and meaningfulness and conviction, and sometimes yeah. as a fan, you know, when you're hearing a song, you really it gets guttural to you, it, gets, it hits your psyche. And I know hearing this live, it always, you know, um, especially say Wembley, for example, you know, he really gave it everything, um, yeah, like he did on 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 record, you know.
1: Yeah, I'd like to talk about that one.
2: Yeah, when, keep it going.
1: Day. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> Dream on black boy, black boy, dream on white girl, white girl, wake up to a brand new day, to find your dreams and watch away, dream on.
2: All right. So y- y- the song's entering its sort of second part now when they're sort of doing the the, the double chorus thing. Um, the they echo. also, uh, uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, they also abbreviate, you know, one of the verses and then quickly hit the chorus again. Um, yeah. But, you know, you hear the, um, you know, the beautiful backup vocals of, of, of Daryl Hall, but you also can hear, you know, the backup vocals of the band in the main sort of part of the chorus. Um, it's quite a thick sound. And um, um, what's really interesting is that, you know, you, some songs sort of start to fade out. Like a lot of songs at this point might play the chorus again and they sort of fade out at four minutes. But as the listeners about to hear, this song takes a bit of a bit of a U-turn. It does a, it does a, bit, of a, it does a bit of a dust till dawn. The movie changes a bit just in the middle of the, of the script. So uh, press play and we'll keep it going. Okay. Sometimes in music, you have this word that's called refrain. And um, it's an interesting word, but in musical terms, it plays around sort of with the early part of the song and flips it around. So listeners may not know, but they flip it around from, you know, white, uh, I think white boy, black girl to black girl, white boy. So they play around with the gender and they play around with the vocal. And then they take the, the, the lyric of in, in the Name of Love, like earlier, which is In the Name of Love, yeah. And then they put that in again as a refrain. It's like, as this sort of after, like, in the name of love, you know, like they play around with that, they bend the lyric a little bit later and have it as a sort of a vocal refrain or repeat. Um, Yeah. So um, another song that does that interestingly in their catalogue is Cherry Cherry Show Me. You know, yes. um, so one minute, it's show me, you know, cherry baby, then it's cherry baby, then it's show me, show me. Like they play around with that little vocal refrain and flip the lyric around, which is, mm. you know, for nerds like me, quite interesting in songwriting when you sort of digest it. But as we sort of alluded just when we paused before, they're about to sort of get into a bit of a jam. Like it, it's almost like, you know, you could see this song being played live because they start jamming in the song, don't they? They don't, they do. they're not interested. The song doesn't do the natural fade out. It's about to hit a jam session where they're like, we've got some new toys in the studio here. We've got no, <laughs> we've got some knobs to twiddle and whatever. You know, well, let's go to town on this particular one. So uh, let's just see what they do next, B.
0: Stop. The sin. Whoops.
2: <laughs> okay. That's okay. No, it's good you got that in. So just quickly there, you've got Kirk coming in who gets his moment to shine with the saxophone. You get Michael bookending the song with the words Original Sin again. So you hear it at the start. You might know of the original sin. And then mm-hmm. at the end now, he's just bookending. It's, it's like a, you know, we're about the story. This is the song Original Sin. And now we're coming to the end of the lyric part, you know, uh, you know, which says Original Sin again. So it's the only two times in the song he mentions the title. And uh, I've always liked songs sometimes that don't hammer the title in the lyric or whatever. Yeah. It's always quite interesting. Mm. Um, but, uh, yeah, Kirk's getting his sort of moment to shine. And then Michael's really experimenting with that high vocal there where he goes, yeah. Yeah. You know? um, and he's really like, it's almost like something like off Max Q where he really plays with his voice a bit. Yes. Um, you know, he's really sort of a real wrist uh, sort of vocal thing that, you know, it's almost, it's a falsetto, which is really hard for a baritone uh, vocalist like Michael, but he really nails it there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Enough from us. We'll, 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 we'll take it out with the last bit now. Now, I cannot go past mentioning the infamous or famous cowbell. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they have the cowbell in their song. Now, you know, did you hear that bit just before the cowbell?
1: <laughs> I did hear the cowbell. <laughs>
2: Well, there are some great songs. Uh, Honky Tonk Woman, I think, uh, has a cowbell in it. And uh, uh, any song with a cowbell in it, has generally like bagpipes, has my vote. But um, (laughs) uh, uh, Michael's getting real sort of salsa, South American-y, you know, um, has got some real sort of uh, rhythms happening now in this part of the song. But we will play the rest of it now. And that was. All that. Righty. Yeah. So um <laughs> <laughs> You're just a fangirl. To- <laughs> 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 okay, listeners, we'll do it all again. No. Oh, um,
3: Yay. All right.
2: um, but you know, tons of stuff going on in that song. And when you think about it, you know, five minutes nineteen, it's not your typical sort of commercial uh song, but it, you know, it 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 had commercial you know uh success you know based purely on just how good it is but it's not your three and a half minute diddy um verse chorus verse chorus off you go it, it really is structurally quite interesting and the way each band member gets to contribute uh as we sort of evidence they're fantastic you know it's a real band song what are your sort of reflections on just sort of listening it to today be
1: well Yes, it is a bad song, but it's a great dance song as well. It t- yep. like, get, gets you on a journey of your dance, doesn't it? You start off, like, you know, getting into it. And then before you know it, you're you know, tribal dancing in the middle of the floor and you're a sweaty mess. So, yeah, yep. I love it. Absolutely love it. What I was trying to look at my notes and look at you at the same time. But, um, yeah, it, I think you've said everything that I was going to say to tell
2: you the truth. Well, just a moment ago, I'm a bit croaky with my voice is per normal, but um, um, when I said band song, I meant B-A-N-D, not bad as in B-A-D song. It's a band. It's a real group song. Um, But, um, yeah, I mean, in terms of, as I said, musical leaps, uh, you look at certain bands over their career where, you know, they've come back with something that you go from where were they prior to recording, where are they now? And this – uh, album went five times platinum in Australia. Now, to put that in perspective, that's over three hundred and fifty to four hundred thousand units. Now, in nineteen eighty four, when this album sort of was released, and we had a population sort of south of twenty million people, you know, it probably meant that sort of you know one in, you know, you know, uh, fifteen households probably you know owned the owned the um, you know the the CD or one in twenty households, but uh, or, or vinyl, I should say. Uh, but it, it really. Uh, uh, was that album that took in excess from uh, I guess an emerging band in Australia to really climbing the top of the heat where they went to sort of top billing yeah. uh, on the back of this song and then the subsequent singles thereafter you know David Bowie was touring Australia and he really wanted in excess to support them and but you know at that particular time David Bowie was struggling and and wasn't selling out and um, I know Chris Murphy was sort of um, uh, reluctant to put him on the same bill because it was a bit like uh, um, you know, a, a step maybe back from where they were going at that time. That's where Chris, you know, was smart enough not to be seduced by the international name or allure of Bowie. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, like in America, I think in Excess in 88 knocked back the Rolling Stones' support tour because the kick was bigger than what the Stones were doing. And even though the Stones were iconic, kick was sort of, you know, what was happening now, and, and he again declined that. So, you know, smart management by Chris, but, yeah. you know, this, this song, Original Sin, was probably the – you know, like any band, you know, who does make it, it's probably that breakout song uh, in their homeland that you know opens up so many doors for them. And I think touring and concerts, and and then you know being able to have the financial resources to reinvest into their career, because a lot of bands get stuck because they they don't make on the first couple of albums or three or four albums in, and they haven't got cash flow coming in, and they're in debt to the studio uh, and the record company. Um, it can really curtail you know their motivation their ambition to to do what they need to do, and in excess uh, through this song and album, we're able to really springboard their career on the back of it
1: oh. oh. I would also suggest to everybody who's listening to this song to go and listen to it via YouTube and all the different live versions of this song that they sang throughout the yep. years as well. Because, yep. um, yeah, the, the, like there's the one in Hamburg in, I think it was in 84, was that? That's pretty cool. Yep. That's really cool. And then at Wembley, I mean, that's just the iconic one, isn't it? When uh, yeah, well, Michael you do does get his slightly different,
2: dance. Yeah. <laughs> You get some slightly different versions. And when a song like this mm. comes out, the Hamburg one in Germany, which is, I think, out in a CD in the last couple of years, you are getting a, a version that's close to sort of the era that it was recorded. So you are getting um, the freshness and the vibe of what they're trying to take it into a live se- setting. And I think the Wembley version is definitely, um, you know, I won't say tricked up, but it's it's definitely sort of, what is it, eight, nine years later, they're played around with the, the tempo, played around with you know the middle part of that song where i think michael goes on a, a dance rave type of uh uh experience there you know on stage and uh they really Well it's like jam what you said
1: out. yeah the jam they really hamper up the mm. jam don't they
2: hmm I guess, you know, getting back to the title, the word original sin, I mean, it it, it is quite religious in its overtones. I mean, they often say, you know, Adam and Eve or whatever there, you know, the the original sin was, you know, Adam sort of, I guess, devouring the fruit in the garden, uh, in the Garden of Eden. (laughs) Um, And, uh, you know, the the lyric itself is almost like has a haunting sort of overtone, you know, at the start. You might have heard of the original sin, you know, and, you Mm -hmm. know, uh, metaphors like fire and uh, murder and uh, different sort of strong adjectives, you know, make the song quite sort of menacing in a way. Like it's a. Uh, uh, there's another song not long after this that I always found quite a menacing, scary song, and that was "Missionary Man" by um, uh, Eurythmics, uh, that also had that sort of religious overtone. Don't mess with the missionary man.
3: Yeah, um, I remember
2: it. Yeah. Yeah, both both of the, these songs have a sort of religious overtone to it, and a sort of a haunting mm-hmm. message behind it, and. Uh, mm-hmm again it's just another little element that adds to i guess the intrigue of it all and you know it it sort of draws you in and look over time you know like anything songs sometimes labor in their you know connection to you like it's probably you know i you know over the years there might have been a song like this i didn't put on for a while but you know you go back sometimes and rediscover a song and you go wow just how good was that and i try to take myself back to when i first heard it and um you know i I, all I wanted for Christmas, two weeks later, was the single. It's uh, all I wanted from Santa. Although I was old enough to realise that Santa only comes to people younger than me um, <laughs> uh, at that time, not to thirteen-year-olds, um, but he does come to younger li- listeners. Okay, um, but uh, I remember getting the you know s- the single uh, for Christmas. And uh, uh, can I can I tell you what other singles I got for Christmas? Because I was going through a music phase, and I was given twenty dollars by my I think my mum or father for Christmas presents or something. And I was able to get like seven singles. And I I ended up getting this song, came in a really, really sort of uh, iridescent pink type of sleeve with some sort of japanese type sort of floral arrangements on the on the front. Uh, I think the B-side was in vain and Just Keep Walking. So it had a pretty handy uh, reverse side on it. Cool. Um, But I ended up getting Uptown Girl, Billy Joel. Oh, my God. I got Uh uh, KC and the Sunshine Band. Give it up.
3: Oh, God.
2: And and there were a couple others I can't remember. But, uh, yeah, I I was so excited to get this because since hearing on the radio for those first two listens, I hadn't heard it for two weeks until – Christmas, so Christmas night and the next few weeks I was playing it and playing it. it almost taught me how to use the needle of a vinyl (laughs) uh, record player and taught me how to to, to play it. Yes. Um, Much to the chagrin of my father at the time who, uh, as I was sort of attempting to play it, I was semi-scratching his needle. Um, (laughs) But, uh, yes, listeners, there was a time where you couldn't just press a button on your phone and listen to music. You had to take an object out, place it on something, move another type of uh, uh, you know uh, an instrument and place it down on a object to hear your song and that was called vinyl in excess we thank you for this song we we laud you for this song uh, it is uh, uh, I guess one of we're gonna have uh, probably a, a series hopefully be where we can count down iconic in excess songs uh, but this is uh, the first entry into what we would call an iconic classic and we hope the listeners enjoyed it. And we do hope maybe we can do another one of these soon, uh, maybe with some guests or uh, with your, your next choice potentially, Be you might have a song that you want to d- dive deep on that means a lot to you.
1: Sounds good.
0: Hi, it's Paul from Sydney. Uh, you're on Access All Areas with Payton and B. It's time for pleasure and pain.
1: It's pleasure, well, not my pleasure and pain, but it's my pleasure and pain to actually introduce your pleasure and pain. <laughs> so we're going into your uglies for 1992, but I do
2: believe we are. We are. I, I did go back and uh, I think a couple of weeks ago we did put in my pleasures and uh, yes. songs that we still like and are into. And I think our song Rush struck a bit of an audience, didn't it? Uh, which was there. That was um, but uh, yes, look, there's there's some real sort of shockers in here, B. And uh, I'm not going to really hold back. There's some absolute. Uh, turds, uh, for the want of a better expression. <laughs> so, um, apologies if any of these songs you like, but I think there's a fair chance most of them you may join me in going, These are really well consigned to an era best forgotten. So, we'll um, see about that, won't we? Well, we're going to play the montage of them all, get them out of the way because, um, we have a little reveal after it. So, um, let's put them all on and then we'll come back and uh, give a bit of a play by play on each.
1: Okay. Are you ready?
2: Well, uh, look, I hope your ears haven't uh, had a sort of a, a you know, a vomiting experience because hearing these again all together makes it more painful. But, look, guys, uh, the first one there was End of the Road by Boys to Men. Uh, this song I particularly hated because it was around, around about the time Welcome to Wherever" I was out, and this particular song was like oh, the highest nice. charting number one at the time. And okay. had a made at uni who played it all the time. We're going, how does this tripe make it into the charts? And Could Anyway, so that was the first one. Oh, but it uh, is
1: listenable. I actually quite enjoyed it.
2: Oh god, okay. Oh. We might have to put you on a one episode suspension. Okay. <laughs> um, all right. Next one on there was one of the great hair metal bands of the day, Mr. Big. Mm. To be with you. Wow. Look, if you think John Bon Jovi loves a hairdryer, these guys were, uh, I guess, uh, General Electric's number one client. Uh, but uh, when the funny thing about Mr. Big, when I was in Japan uh, as uh, with some work. Uh, opportunities back in about the year 2000. This band was still popular, like eight, nine years after being one hit and wonders across the really? world. They, oh, yeah. The Japan love their hair metal and hair soft pop rock and whatever. So yeah. they had somehow strung three songs out to sort of have a nine-year career there. So that was okay. still, well, still very popular. I've
1: never heard of them. I'm a, I sort of remember the song and I thought, where do I know this song for? I mean, yeah. Mr. Big to me is... Um, Sex in the City, you know, Mr. Big in that. But like Westlife, Westlife, which is an English band, they actually did a cover of it, and it was shit. But um, this one sounds a lot better. I must admit. But okay, yeah. well, yeah. we're going
2: to maybe increase that suspension to two episodes.
1: <laughs> I one. love. No, no, I'm not saying I loved it. I just said it was okay. Okay.
2: Elusive in your praise. I right. Let's go, three, let's go to the next one. Let's
1: go to the next.
2: All right. We're gonna. I'm gonna to have to reread this because you're gonna like them But anyway, the next one was a song called "How Do You Talk to an Angel." Now,
1: oh, it's horrible. If there was
2: ever a song that related to middle of the road music, yeah, was Weak. This. now, now this is a song that pertained to a show at the time called The Heights, and it was sort of a, oh. a sort of a Melrose Plays knockoff for slightly younger um, people. That uh, mm-hmm. I don't think had any black people in it, so it was real sort of uh, airbrushed, uh, yeah, you know, LA sort of uh, uh, soap opera stuff. But uh, yeah, yeah, better left uh, just I, leave
1: I just- it. Just go to the next <clears throat> one.
2: Yeah, next one was a guy called John Cicada. Now, anyone has a sound that uh of a surname that sounds like a cricket, uh, speaks for itself, but uh, this song's uh, this song still gets uh, played on uh, some of the tragic um, hits and memory stations in Australia. And well, uh, I
1: don't think it's that bad.
2: Oh, well, okay, we might have to, we might have to bring I don't
1: know what's wrong with me. I must be in love or something. I don't think I am though. I, think but... I have to
2: set up, set up at like a, a musical tribunal, um, uh, <laughs> and we're gonna have to get. Nick Egan and Mark, and and we're going to have to sort of vote on you know is it four weeks or five week ban for you, but anyway. <laughs> uh- all right, the next one down here. Too legit to quit. Now this was the, this was the, the MC Hammer <laughs> uh, follow-up song um, to his first album. You can't touch this and Hammer Time and whatever.
1: So stuck in the eighties, isn't it? Did you? Was he still wearing the pants?
2: Well, the song was a, too legit to quit. You know, and it was uh-huh. sort of um, well. Uh-huh. You know, I think the audience quit on you after this one, the MC. But um, mm. anyway, that was that. Mm. Uh, next one here was, uh, it was it was around at the time <laughs> that, um, you know, that Disney had a resurgence with, you know, modern day remakes of old movies and Beauty and the Beast around 91, 92 was one of those songs. Mm. And they had a couple, I think it was Peebo Bryson and another woman there singing, might have been Linda Rodstead, I don't know. But anyway, this was a particular song that was this schmaltzy, you know, saccharin. uh you know, overproduced uh, middle-of-the-road ballad that was so synonymous with Disney at the time that uh, it won, you know, Academy Awards and all sorts of things. But you know, it was like Disney couldn't wait to sort of get the the orchest- or- orchestras into these smalty songs and.
1: Hayden. Uh,
2: this was going You've got,
1: you've got a little girl. She's going to make you watch that and you're going to know and you're going to be dancing around the room to that song very, very soon, so you hey, better watch out.
2: Hey, listen, you know. And you'll me, love it. Me and and my it'll good, be a
1: memory hey, and you'll let, go, I love that song.
2: I no, no, me, me and my daughter, Ella, we like Let It Go and Frozen and that sort of stuff, but this uh, other turgid sort of waste of space, okay. So you, better- you
1: sing to Let It Go, Hayden.
2: Not really, but...
1: Oh, come uh, she, on, come on, come on. Tell, us, tell us a little bit and, uh... about this. <laughs> I want to know more.
2: <laughs> oh, well, we'll uh, we might have to claim the fifth on that. Um, but mm-hmm. uh, And look, the last one on here, you know, you know I'm a big fan of this particular guy, but as I say, when you, oh. self-re- when you self-reference your name in a song, it better be a good song. And there ain't many great songs over the journey where you talk about your own name in a song that actually measure up now this one was prince and the song it's was called my name is prince terrible and it was just really crap um, oh,
1: and did that chart it, tell me everything around it. that
2: time with prince chart went top 10 everywhere wow. but it, it's that classic case of reputational charting on the basis of his history not based upon the song's merit and that one was a top 10 hit for him but I think it was around about that time when he was changing his name, you know, to the love symbol mm. and he hated his record label and mm. probably uh, he, he had a bit of issues Lost about his name. Lost the plot for a bit. <laughs> well, I think he had a bit of issue about his name and his proprietary and Warners calling him, you know, mm. effectively thought he was a slave to Warners, but it's still a crap song and I think uh, yeah. better bit left unsaid. Um, yeah. Okay. But you've it. highlighted it. <laughs> yeah, well, I have. You know, sorry, sorry, Prince, but you've got yes. some great things. This was a bit of a faux pas on your behalf.
1: He's throwing a fist at you. You know that, don't you?
2: Yes. Now, B, you did give me creative licence. I did go back through these old ones and, and uh, amidst finding these ones that really were better left uh, kept buried um i did unearth some good ones again that i really really like so i did sort of i I did i did ask for a a part two sequel (laughs) to my 1992 (laughs) because i found some good stuff would you let me share these ones
1: yeah because i think your list is pretty good mate
2: okay all right well look we won't go through as i said one at a time because of time constraints and things today but we'll play them in entirety and we'll we'll like we did just before we'll come back and have a quick mention about them but um uh, yeah there's a bit of a list there I think I put 10 or 12 in there and we'll do a quick little sort of two three minute montage of them and uh, come back and, and talk about those as a collective
0: You get off Do it in your pony acting with the top down Just Have to get it out Have to get it in needs love and affection When the party begins I need I need you We won't hesitate Break down the guided gate not this night stand up today
2: So you're jumping around to that first song, The House of Pain. I reckon that's a song that anyone of any age and era hits the dance for. That's a great one, isn't it?
1: It's really, really good fun. Oh, my yeah. God. Very drunken days with yep. your lager on the on the dance floor, dancing to that one. Yeah, brilliant. Well, really well, good guy, choice.
2: There's a guy in that band who went on to sort of become Everlast and Everlast is a singer. and fine. Yeah, so he started out in that particular band. I think he's, it might be an Irish guy or whatever. But um, uh, next one there, a bit of an underrated song from Madonna at the time and it was pretty controversial. was the song Erotica that mm. was a real sort of um, ambient, uh, trancy sort of song there, and um, I think it's held up really well. You know, some of the stuff off that album wasn't popular, but I thought her vocal and everything on that was great. And um, um, yeah. I really
1: enjoyed that album actually. I yeah. think it's quite a dancey album, wasn't it? I really yeah, like that.
2: It's right. it right.
1: quite a brooding bass line to it, hadn't it?
2: Yeah, that's right. Mm. Um, also, too, uh, we had U two there, and uh, I know Pedro uh, probably will give me a hard time, but uh, we put the dance version on of even better than the real thing. And Yay. Um, I think this is sort of really a, a time when Michael and, and uh, Bono were hanging out a lot, and Bono was quite jealous, I think, of some of the remixes and things that Inexcess could do, and the fact that Inexcess had quite a big club scene following and remix version. And mm. you know, U two were going through, you know, I guess the Actong Baby era where they were trying to become a bit more ironic and a bit more danceish, and yeah. had songs like Mater- Mysterious Ways. Uh, but this dance version of Even Been the Real Thing is, in my opinion, almost better than the album version. Yes. Uh, and the remix is awesome. So I hope people yeah. will like that. Yeah. Um, next on their perfect place by voice of the beehive. They had a bigger hit before that. You didn't like it. Nah. Oh, but, I don't like
1: I'm a girl, but that's really girly. It's yeah. like the cause, isn't it?
2: Like, I, I mean, it's I a get, bit edgier look, than the cause, but they, they had a bigger hit, which is better
1: than
0: that.
2: <laughs> well, <laughs> look, this particular band voice of the beehive, they had two hits. This was the second one. I think the first one they had was, said was, was more of a mainstream hit. This was a bit more, um, less charting, but it sort of connected with me at the time. Um, Moving ahead, uh, same singer on the next two songs but different projects. Um, uh, the song is Slave by a guy called James Rain. Now, James Rain's sort of an institution in Australia as a vocalist but also as a member of a band called Australian Crawl. Um, and oh. this this particular song, Slave, was number one. Um, and the next one, he had a, a project called The Company of Strangers and the song Motor City, I Get Lost, is related to Detroit and Motor City. Um, get and he, and he so, sung get on that. Hi. Huh?
1: As you sing
2: it, it's like yeah. yeah, 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 absolutely. So, um, but that that's a great album at the time, and we might talk about that in future episodes. But uh, yeah, he he sort of was a guest vocalist on that particular sort of uh, uh, well, it was called Company of Strangers, with a bunch of Australian artists and a couple of American producers who put this sort of album together. Um, Next one down there, Life is a Highway, Tom Cochran. Uh, still gets a gig on Australian radio. Uh, Life is a Highway, very mainstream song, mainstream lyrics, but um, oh, uh, it's a real, it's a real uh, uh, you know, sing along in the car. Love hit it. Song. Yeah, yeah, it is a car song. You're right. Yeah. 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 Very
1: yeah. good. I like yeah. it. Absolutely. I like your other one more though.
2: Uh, next one, Julian yeah. Lennon, Saltwater. You like that?
1: Oh, the lyrics, Hayden. Yeah. So beautiful. Yeah. And it's just like, I and mean, then you've got that flavor of like the Beatles, the do-do-do. But yeah. yeah, his lyrics are so dreamy. And yeah, you could just lie down in the field and just think, yeah, we do need a better place. The hole in the in the in the uh, yeah. well,
2: sky. Think, mm. well, Julian Lennon, he obviously, you know, hiding to nothing, he came out in 85 with his solo album and did fantastic. And um he uh i think maybe uh i think he came back in about 89 88 89 with a a song that was a big hit in australia but he really put on a sort of a more of a david bowie vocal that was called now you're in heaven and it had these puppets in the video and david bowie really liked it but i think he was trying to sort of not sound like his father on that album and yeah. i guess the you know the, the the pressure from the media going oh you know you to knock off of your dad well it's really hard to change your vocal delivery but he did that but I think on this particular song, it is very Beatlesque. Um, Julian had a great career in Australia with um, his solo stuff. I think this song was number one. I think in the UK it might have made it to number one as well.
3: Yeah, it did.
2: But it is a beautiful song, beautiful lyric. Oh,
3: very and, good.
2: And uh, it got that dreamy sort of, you know, you know feeling like, like his dad could sort of put on, uh, on, on radio as well with that dreamy wow. vocal and dreamy lyric.
1: No, thank you for finding it because it was one of those songs that I'd lost, and yeah. um, I, I'm going to play it to my little ones, yeah. especially Mila. She'll love that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's timeless. Um, mm. and, and the last one on there was a single, a third or fourth single off Pearl Jam's album. Um, uh, it's, it's uh, you know, I'm glad you got that little bit um, in the middle of the song uh, with the vocal there. It really shows a young Eddie Vedder with, um, as I said, he's pre 10,000 cigarette. You know, whiskey voice, <laughs> um, with a, a really beautiful vocal um, and 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 uh, you know melody from the band. Uh, it's called Oceans, and uh, I just love it. It just it's just great. It's just mm. um, it's a, good a, a less known one, but it was a single off the ten album, off the debut album. And uh, um, for those around the world who haven't heard it or heard it in while, heard, haven't heard it in a while, we hope you enjoy that one too.
1: And what's the album called though,
2: Hayden? Uh, That was the album called Ten, which was the first Purple Jam album. Right. And I think it was the, uh, I think they had um, uh, Alive as the first song. Um, They had Jeremy as a single. Uh, Mm -hmm. They had this particular song as a single. Uh, Even Flow was a single. This might have been the fourth release off the album. Uh, So sometimes, as I said, in the past, a fourth single gets buried in consciousness and might get a bit of radio play. But, uh, yeah, great, great, great song.
1: Good list mate. Well done. Thank you. Does that, does that mean I can get 100 songs in next time?
2: <laughs> well, well, we probably look, to 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 be fair for you and for myself it's again, you know, around that particular era this is sort of our sweet spot as mm. young sort of post high school uni teenagers where you know music was everything and you know, it's hard to confine a, a period or a year sometimes into eight or ten songs. So, yeah, um, yeah we, uh, we've got plenty of time to to even double up or triple up, I think, on some years if we think the material is worth it. So great. Yeah, thank you for indul- letting me indulge.
1: No worries. I think everyone enjoyed them. Hey, this is David from Carbink. Oh, Hi, this
2: is Katie from England. know, yeah, it's Paul from Sydney. Hi, this is Ella from the Netherlands. This is Dr. Jim and Natta Rap. Well, B, that's a wrap, episode 52. Um, I'm very nervous about this episode going out for the listeners, by the way, because I don't know if they're going to turn off after our topic or during the topic. I hope, hope they've hung in enough to listen to it and enjoyed the rest of the podcast because it, it, I felt like it was a bit of a leap of patience, but uh, I had a lot of fun doing it with you
1: well no it, i have a lot of interaction with our uh, with our audience and they actually say they're actually talking to us when the, we are doing this podcast so they'll be watching the dishes or walking along <laughs> and they'll go no hayden no b <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: so i think they might enjoy that we're uh, we have
2: I've got, I've got, an, or- I've got a, an image of Freddie Mercury and I want to break free doing the vacuuming, <laughs> 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 listening to the podcast. And, uh, yeah, uh, Look, look um, we hope that, you know, you enjoyed, you know, the, the topic today, you know, sometimes amidst everything, a great song like Original Sin that we went through um, is great. And why was it great and why does it still sound great? And that was really why we sort of delved deep into that. And um, we, we hope that, um, you know, this is one of many iconic songs that they have, and there's probably 10, 12, 15 songs out of their whole canon. We would like to do this episode again. Yeah. You know, I'm sure, you know, songs like Need You Tonight and Don't Change and What You Need and mm-hmm. Never Tear Us Apart are probably going to be part of that. And, there might be songs, you know, uh, like Dr. Jim for "Just a Man." You know, there's. I think that's a, it would be a fantastic song to break down and yeah. just why that song has an enduring legacy. There's so many Hayden. There's yeah. so many,
1: so many. Can't yeah. wait. This is yeah. this is good. I think this is going to be a good episode that we can bring out the bag a few times.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, so uh, thank you for those who endured, and we hope you, you did hang in there long enough. But. Um, All right, fan engagement, B, There's a few uh, hellos and thank yous and acknowledgements you'd like to uh, share.
1: Yes. I I actually love fan engagement. I love engaging with you all, and there's just so many places that everyone comes to speak to us we've been getting some really lovely emails we we're getting now inboxed in uh, messages through the website which is really nice and um and messages so thank you everybody there's a couple of people um that i'd like to say a big hi to bed from norway um you're, you're you're lovely thank you and I, I really hope you become a patron because I think even Carrie-Anne's already snatched you as a mate already she says he's mine I was like okay <laughs> we have this fight who, who can we get um so um but he also brought to retent- me to attention that on Facebook there's actually a community post part to our Facebook that you patrons or sorry, you listeners don't get to see because it's it's a weird the way that Facebook does it. So if you do go onto their Facebook page, if you click on community, there's actually a big list of posts from other patrons and, and um um, people. And I just like to list out their names. But if you go on there, you'll be able to see posts from these people. And Baird put one up today of his little Norwegian flag and him talking to his little device to play his song. So it was quite cute. So hi, yeah. Baird and Ronald and Michael Ellis, Dave McFarland, Mark Miller and Stan Kisto. But also I'd like to say hello to the guys that I've been speaking to on the website as well. So Tony from Spain, Brett, Abigail, and Nathan. It's been lovely speaking to you all, really has.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And look, as I said, again, through all the sort of platforms. Ooh. Oh, yes. Oh.
1: And. <laughs> You've
2: had a light bulb moment. Go. I did,
1: I did. I looked at my notes. and went, oh, no, I can't forget this. I want to really... Big shout out to all the guys at JB Hi-Fi in <laughs> Coffs Harbour. <Yeah. laughs> you are absolute legends, all of you. They're such a group, like a big group of lads and girls. I'll go in and they just think like, oh, come he's comes at you next next It's again. <laughs> <laughs> what does she want now? Like, I need a lead for this. I need this for this. Right. Um, and they are brilliant. Really, really good. And there's one guy there called Jared, and he's lovely, Jared. And he actually is in a band called The Flying giant um, that we're playing around Coffs Harbour. And I really want to give him a shout. And I really want to come and see you play. There Fantastic. You go. Fantastic.
2: <laughs> All right. Well, um, as you said earlier, you know, the the patron uh, uptake will uh, actually get access to the two live uh, recordings that um, uh, Peter uh, you know shared with on last week's episode. And uh, these will be going out to all our current patrons. Uh, and they'll also be going out to our newer patrons like Abigail and hopefully others who jump on board over the next couple of weeks. Um, as I said, becoming a patron can be as little as five, ten dollars a week. Uh, and uh, you know all that sort of money just goes into us putting on uh, you know a show like this, which um, um, I guess does take time and technology and equipment and uh, interactions and materials, etc. So. Uh, we definitely, definitely would love to uh, bring more people into the community. And um, as I said, again, we have, you know, big goals to uh, eventually get to the Rock Hall of Fame and welcome the band uh, with a big legion of inaccess fans into the Hall of Fame and uh, have uh, get-togethers internationally with our patrons over time uh, in various countries. So there is a bigger game with this, not just the support, but just being part of a, a community of similar-minded fans as well. But yeah.
1: Yeah, I'd like to add to that as well. If you don't want to become a patron, because not everybody likes to do subscriptions and things. I get that, absolutely Mm. get it. So we've actually got a PayPal um, address there. You can just donate. And a lot of people are just donating to us. And the likes of the band have donated a lot of merchandise and presents and things. And we've been starting this auction and it's doing really well. So if you want to get something and put back into um the podcast please go on there and um, you need to go onto the website and if you look at the youtube channel you can look at all the items that we have for um bidding on is Absolutely. that the right word bidding on that's not a right thing to i say, think so i think it? so it sounds uh, pretty good bid on, to bid on. That's so hard. um at the moment we've got beautiful girl going so i yep. think yeah so that's going really well and uh, yeah
2: and Please. we have the Don't Lose Your Head Tour Guide book uh, go out last week to our first uh, auction item and a uh, uh, very rare item that uh, I guess yeah. has gone to a lucky winner as well. So yeah. congratulations. Sorry.
1: Yeah, and I should mention also the winner of the Nick Egan poster. Wow. So, guys, um, you, that's Richard Rees. Well done. So, guys, I am waiting. Um, Tim has written out um, all the um, certificates for me, but um, he, he, yeah, he's got to post them to me yet. So yep. please bear with me. They yep. are coming to you, but I want to do it properly.
2: Yep. No problems. All right. We're moving along. I thought we'd give a hint to next week, B. I I think this will be a topic you like, and it is something I'm going to invite some of the listeners of this episode to help us with, because it is wide and far reaching, and it's probably actually impossible for just us and our fandom to capture alone. But Next week's episode, I think episode 53, we're going to be doing In Excess in film and TV. B. I I like so, it. Yeah. So, yes, every particular soundtrack, movie, um, TV show, anything out there that you've heard In Excess songs being played in, we're going to invite our listeners to not post them on all the sites. What we'd ask them to do is maybe uh, email us in at our email address or on our uh, messenger uh services so I think we're on on messenger B I'm on messenger you're on messenger is that right yeah so my name's Hayden Murdoch your name is Bridget <laughs> what's your last you've got like different got, identities it all
1: depends what country I mean I just yeah.
2: changed my name <laughs> so so uh, but you know because I probably uh do a little bit of the content for each episode if you want to uh, message me on messenger which is just Hayden Murdoch that's my name on messenger Facebook if you've got anything you go well actually I saw them on uh, you know, uh, one of their songs was played Is, is this during... right
1: to send things to you? Because you're not very technical, mate. I'm a bit worried about this.
2: B? No, I can, I can I can... What's that, Nick? What's that, Mark? Five-episode suspension? <laughs> yeah. Really? Four. Okay. <laughs>
1: the,
2: the, the jury spoken, be No, I can handle a messenger on Facebook. Great, um, great. But, so send but, them all to Hayden. <laughs> yes, send them all to me. That's fine. Um, because, look, I've got a, a list through knowledge over time uh, of movies and I've got a list of TV sort of shows where they've been on. But, but far be it from me to think that I'm the only one who's ever seen everything that they've, uh, say, licensed or put their material to. Frankly, I haven't. Um, and uh, I know on various fan sites recently there has been people posting different things that they've seen in excess of you know songs go into. So, we would just like to next week just acknowledge uh, all the movie soundtracks, all the TV shows, all the particular times that in excess uh, have been attributed to those things. Uh, we all know they've been on the Lost Boys soundtrack with Good Times and Laying Down the Law. So let's get that one uh, out of the way. We all know that sort of one there that will be highlighted uh, and really help really help the soundtrack uh, get the sales uh, that it got and. Uh, Mark Opitz is perennially appreciative of that. Um, But, yes, so we're going to go into that next week. Um, However, we do like to close off an episode B with a song and a ditty and a tune. And, look, it's a regular song we have played on here before in cover versions, and we are going to play it again. But, like anything, a different artist takes on the same song, you get a different artist's take on said song. So this particular song has been covered from everyone from uh, AFI, uh, which is sort of an emo band from America, through to uh, Everclear, which is more of an LA surfy type band, to No Doubt, to Grinspoon, to Bruce Springsteen. Uh, but we're going to play a song, uh, well, we'll play the song Don't Change Again, but it's actually going to be by a band that uh, recorded a few years ago and it's now about to come out on one of their live live and B-sides and rarities albums. So I think they've put it out as the main single to promote their live B-sides and rarities. Yeah, I'm not a great fan of this band. I know a lot of people are. Uh, but I think they do quite a, a good cover of it and um, they don't play them too much. But um, anyone who's out there promoting great in excess songs and songs like Don't Change, uh, you know, tip my lid to you. Uh, so we are going to go out today with the Goo Goo Dolls. Okay, ladies, I know you mentioned the Goo Goo Dolls back in uh, the soundtrack days, B, you were a Google do- Goo Goo Dolls. A Goo Goo Dolls. <laughs> Did I go Goo Goo? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Say that in a raft a few beers. Uh, but we are going to go today with the Goo Goo Dolls playing Don't Change, uh, which uh, is coming out on their new live B-Sides and Rarities. Uh, so it's a goodbye from me and...
3: It's a goodbye from
1: B.
2: <laughs> you really are uh, out of form today. <laughs> we'll do that again. It's a goodbye from me.
1: And it's a goodbye from B. Bye.
2: She's back in form. (laughs) Bye-bye.
0: Yeah. Uh-huh.